Hello, this is episode one of the Stop Asian Hate podcast. We are on part one of two. This episode will be a roundtable focused on the Asian experience in, U- in Europe. I'm here with three lovely guests who are going to introduce themselves now. Hi, I'm Yuli. I'm from Malaysia and I'm a second year communication science student at the UVA. And um, I'm here with Justin and Jaja. Hi guys, I am, I'm Justin. I'm from Hong Kong. I do actually podcast Brown Town, if you know me. And I also write for Media Magazine and I also do communication science as well. Um, yes, uh, hi, I'm Jaja. Uh, I'm from Thailand originally, but I mostly grew up in Indonesia and Nepal. And I also do communication science. Thank you. And I'm Tiffany. I'm half Hong Kongese, half Malaysian Chinese, but I was born and raised in London. I'm a freelance journalist and a student at the UVA. So this podcast was launched in the light of recent events where eight people were brutally massacred in Atlanta. The Netherlands and other countries worldwide have seen a rise in racist attacks against Asians and the movement Stop Asian Hate was born as a result. This podcast is a collaboration between Slim Radio and Media Magazine, the magazine of communication science studies at the UVA. We hope that this podcast will shed some light on the Asian experience in Europe and open the discourse surrounding discrimination towards us. Okay, guys, so let's talk about the massacre. Um, talk me through how you felt when you saw the news. It was it was just awful. Um, when I saw the news, I almost broke down. But yeah, and I was talking to it with my mom. And uh, my mom didn't even know because I think... Many Asians that are not in the West, they don't really know about news that happens there. And she was really shocked. And yeah, and she was asking me, why do I keep sharing news about um, hate crimes against Asians on social media? And I just had to explain those to her. And that was really hard. Mm. Do you think she understood? Yeah, and I think she understood, but she was also a bit scared and like, um, she was asking me, oh, what are like, what are we gonna do about it? What mm-hmm. if they hate us more if we speak out? And yeah, that was not an easy conversation, and I had to like laugh a little bit because it was trying, it was making me really sad inside. But I really wanted to do something about it. Of course, yeah. I think for me, it kind of started before that, like the whole um, stop Asian hate thing. I think I saw a few like um, like videos of like um, in the U.S. where like uh, some like elderly like Asians were like brutally attacked on the street, mm-hmm. and I think that was what scared me more. Yeah, yeah, um, that was awful. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then I think this whole thing also like slowly started also from like the beginning Corona for me as well, like with the hate and everything. So I think it was more of like a gradual thing rather than like a oh like it's yeah like, it's happening, you know. I agree. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's more than a gradual thing. I mean, starting from COVID, but it's a really systematic thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only in in the West, actually in the East as well. We we have mm-hmm. that. Uh, uh, we always feel like a little bit inferior than 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 the white people in mm-hmm. Asian communities, and I think that's kind of screwed up. I think also because like Asian communities sometimes like glorify like a lot of like the West and like beauty standards and all that. So I think that's also where it comes from. Yeah. Do you guys think that um, because of the news, people assume that this only happens in America and that things are only really bad over there and that over here, you know, we're more cultured and and it doesn't happen as much? 
Yeah, definitely. I think um, many Europeans think that racism doesn't happen in Europe, mm. but that's not the case at all. Um, I think last week a girl was attacked at the metro station. Yeah. I'm not sure last week or a few weeks Dalvin before. Drugs. Yeah, actually, that which was is close to where we live. Mm-hmm. Um, that made me feel really unsafe, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for for me, at least I've been here for eight, nine months. And mm. it's, I mean, to my knowledge and experience, it's super good. I mean, I don't want to, you know, say this now, but I, I feel like, you know, the Dutch here in Amsterdam are actually quite nice to me mm-hmm. at, on a superficial level. And I, I mean, I, I'm working now as well. I always talk to my Dutch colleagues and, and they're so nice to me as well. And, and uh, I think it really depends on like w- what kind of people you, yeah. you, you're meeting and encountering. And also it really depends on which like zone you're in. I mean, regions you're from mm-hmm. uh, in the Netherlands, for example, I, I think most people in, in Amsterdam are less racist than in Volendam because the Volendam is a really like an ethnic enclave there and then they, they are quite you know sticking to their origin. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Have you lived in Volendam before? No, but I have friends there and they uh, okay. yeah, mm-hmm. tell me so. Would you guys say that the experience is gendered in some aspects too? Mm, I'm not really sure about that, to be honest. Okay. I think anyone could be a victim of it, of hate crimes. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't really think that in the Netherlands it's gendered mm-hmm. I think um, I would have to disagree on that front I think that it can definitely happen to to all genders um, but I feel like female presenting um, people seem to be a little bit more vulnerable in terms of it's a kind of combination of, of fetishization, sexism mm-hmm. and racism um, which I think we saw in Atlanta um, the killer admitted that you know it was it was um sex and fetish based he wanted to to cure his sex addish addiction and therefore he went ahead and yeah that was horrible crime Mm -hmm. have you guys like felt like you've been fetishized for being like asian and like a woman like have you had experiences with that or um i i can't think of any at the moment but i think not me but in general Mm -hmm. Asian girls on um like in the media are often yeah, yeah fetishes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that word but um you could also see it in like anime I think you always have those anime girls with huge yeah. boobs yeah 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 I think I think I definitely have and it's made me quite um suspicious Mm -hmm. i guess like i i get very very suspicious if more than one ex is asian Mm -hmm. or if they've done an exchange in korea you know or if they tell me like on tinder or hinge or whatever that they can also speak chinese i'm like Mm -hmm. i understand there's a point of connection but the the line between point of connection and similarities and fetishization Mm -hmm. is very thin Mm -hmm. And to be honest, like, I, I, I think I've I've developed a sixth sense almost, yeah. um, which kind of affects my yeah. dating life, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think definitely like people say things that like you think like they think it's like a good thing, but like it's like I've had people come up to me like, oh, I have like yellow fever, like what? like they've generally just like straight up said that to my face, yeah. and then 
like they've said things like oh i'm not really like into asians and stuff but like I don't know, like... Oh, thank you, sir, for making an exception. Like, oh, yeah, thank you. Like, oh, I'm so special. Yeah, and there are people uh, people that are like, "Um, you're so pretty for an Asian. Yeah, oh, I've gotten that so many times. Mm. Yeah. So I guess that falls under the category of microaggressions, right? Mm -hmm. And um, all three of you grew up in a predominantly Asian context. um, And I grew up in a predominantly white context. So tell me about the experience of coming to um uh predominantly <laughs> i think f- for me I, I i first want to get to something about interracial mm-hmm. discrimination because uh now especially for hong kong we 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 i i i mean for most people in in the world they think um, hong kong is, is a part of china at least ethically mm-hmm. uh and for a lot of young people they they are quite um xenophobic towards yeah. Chinese. I mean, I got to say I, I am as well because I, I don't like some certain political stances of, of the Chinese people. And then and then I know I know it's awful. I think it's that that kind of happened to some European countries after the c- communist era as well. And uh, right now, the, the interracism is, is actually really scary. Yeah. And and uh, I, I don't want to I don't want to you know, I don't want Hong Kong going towards that way, you know, mm. the xenophobic, you know, post-Chinese, like, you know, society. Uh, but we, we got to work that out, actually, because yeah. um, um, there's like, a, you know, struggle between, you know, politics and, and you know, racism and all, all those kind of things. And I think it's really important for us to think more about uh, interracial um, discrimination as well. It's not only about white and black and Asian and I don't know. South American, mm. it's also, you know, racism also happens within yeah. a race. Yeah. So that's really important. And, and going back to, you know, white supremacy and, yeah, and you know, those kind of things. Uh, I, 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 I do feel like, like I said, like just now, you see, we, we always glorify, you know, the white people in Asian mm. communities, especially we were one of the, you know, British colonies. And, and that's going to be a really great, like, you know, predictor of this kind of, um phenomena for sure and i think amongst asians there's kind of this aspirational whitewashing where you want to separate yourself sometimes from the bad aspects of being asian or like i i always Mm -hmm. hear hong kongers saying like i i really want to make the distinction between being from hong kong and being from chinese because i don't want people to think like i'm one of those chinese tourists Mm. and you know that's that's a very racist thing to say and i and I understand, but it's kind. It kind of plays into this structure of of whiteness, mm-hmm. and it's formed by white people's conception of Chinese people, which is you know the Chinese tourists. Jaja, yeah. you've lived in several countries. Um, what do you think about this kind of interracial? No, yeah, incident? I definitely think like a lot of it is like internalized, and mm-hmm. like it's sad that it is, but like I guess that's how it is, and like um, I even see it with like people in Thailand, like. Um, you really see that like the racism like against other Asians and but I feel like also that's kind of like more of a topic about like I feel like there's two different like topics here like being like talked about I guess Mm -hmm. more of like the racism you experience like in Europe and like the like racism against like Asians but then I feel like this is more kind of like something the Asian community has to deal with yeah um, to an extent like the whole like um racism against each other mm. and um i guess like that nuance isn't really like um 
not a lot of people know it, I guess, outside yeah. of the community. And um, yeah, I guess like the pl- like the Stop Asian Hate kind of like opens that conversation up even more and kind of made us more aware as well that like it's also internalized. It's not just like from like other like people, like the mm-hmm. white people or whatever, you know, it's, there's also a lot happening like within the community as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think what I've really enjoyed about um, working on this project as well is seeing a very big range of Asians all coming together mm-hmm. to support what I think is a predominantly East Asian movement because it's East Asians right now that are getting targeted, but it's really nice to see like on the media magazine team, South Asians getting involved mm-hmm. too. Um, and I think that's really, really important. And I think that both com- conversations can happen at the same time, the one within the Asian community and the one outside of the Asian community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, going back to my earlier question, why don't you guys talk me through what it was like to experience microaggressions perhaps for the first time even? I think um, the first time that I've ever experienced a thing like that is when um, like um, a teenager was like he was on his bike and he just rode past me and he just shouted ni hao mm. to me and like I was really shocked but for some reason I um, I didn't feel bad like at that moment but it was only when I thought about it afterwards in retrospect when I yeah. then I suddenly realized that I have been my um, a victim of microaggression I mm. guess and um, it doesn't at first it didn't really had a big impact for me because I'm Chinese and I at first, I thought, and I think a lot of Asians or maybe Chinese also um, have this thought when they meet things, like when they have things like that happen to them, because um, it seems like they're trying to be friendly. But when you mm. think that, when you think about the fact that the kid doesn't know like what kind of Asian I am, he just assumed that I yeah. was Chinese. That's where the part where it's like not right and makes me feel a bit iffy. Yeah. I definitely like when I first moved here to Amsterdam I like I really took all these like small like microaggressions like personally but Mm. I it's kind of sad but I've kind of like desensitized to it now at this point like you kind of just have to learn to live with it if you're gonna like continue living in a more like white predominantly white country but I had a like actually an experience very similar like I live in a like a floor with 13 people and we all share like the same kitchen this was last year and, like, one of my, like, the floor people, they're, like, from Ukraine. And, like, me and, like, my friend, she's German, but she's, like, Vietnamese descent. We were talking in the kitchen while she was there. Like, we were talking about how, like, oh, like, whenever we walk on the streets, like, people always say ni hao. And, like, we don't like that because, like, I'm, like, I identify as, like, a Thai and she identifies as, like, a Vietnamese. So, like, when someone says that, it just doesn't feel the best. Mm-hmm. And then, like, out of nowhere, she's, like, on the other side of the corner. She just, like, butts into the conversation. She's, like... But why? And she starts like kind of like she didn't really get it why we didn't feel like we didn't like it and stuff. And then she started like talking about how like, oh, but like statistically speaking, like there's a lot more Chinese people than there are other Asians. So like I think people are just trying to be friendly Mm -hmm. and they're trying to like, you know, like they're they're just trying to be friendly and trying to like, um, yeah, basically that was her argument. And like statistically speaking, it makes sense to her. But Mm -hmm. like. I don't know, that kind of put me off in the, like, wrong way as well. Mm. I don't know about, like, other people and how they would have felt in that situation. But for me, it was kind of like, oh, wow. Like, 
this is I, I think is. the whole thing really depends on the intention of the person. If if they want to know more about you, um, they would know they they said the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Especially uh, you know, as in you know, I'm from Hong Kong. I get a lot of like ni hao stuff, but I mean, I'm fine with those for me personally because. I know they're trying to be friendly to me because I can feel, you know, they they are trying to get to know me uh, in 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 a classroom, whatever situation, circumstances. But I think afterwards I got to explain it because I don't speak Mandarin. I speak Cantonese. That's my mother, mm-hmm. you know, mother tongue. And and after that, and they understand it. So I think the whole like racism thing, it's we we gotta solve it through understanding more more than just movements, right? You're just standing there. Th- there's no. Like I mean, there's no use of like just standing there and just show like we're not blah 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 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just you know doing those kind of things. But I I think it, re- it really needs us. You know the racism thing. I think we need to do it. You know really personally. Mm. For example, with your friends uh, or with your friends' parents and those kind of things. And I think it's really important to do that because just movements, uh, rallies, those kind of things. I think it's really superficial to me. And I think the only way to get rid of those stereotypes and you know misunderstandings is to get to know them and mm. to tell them your story, your own story, mm-hmm. and that's the perfect way for me. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I think when you're like hang out, like when I start hanging out with more of like a predominantly like white group and stuff, you kind of like s- before that, I would kind of see all these like microaggressions as kind of a really bad thing and like really negative and like. I was like, why would they do this to me and stuff like that? But then once you hang around that community more, you kind of realize like they're coming from a place of like they didn't grow up in that community. They don't know what they're like. They're saying sometimes like it's just kind of like mm, just a lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I think if you see it that way and kind of like try and put like your knowledge and like kind of help them that way to like fight racism, I guess. Um, I think I don't know. And yeah, like Justin said, it's a good way. Um, I think it's interesting. Um, and I definitely agree that about what Justin said about um, speaking to your circle, making change within those close to you, um, because you can't change everyone's mind. And like, what are you going to do? Chase after every guy that or person that shouts "ni hao" at you in the street and try and make a connection with them? It's not possible. Um, and it is really nice to hear you guys say that you know you you want to have those conversations. You want to have more understanding. I think personally, for me, I'm. I'm too tired for that. Yeah. Um, I think I'm quite I fatigued. I, I spent 22 years like this, and yeah. <laughs> in UK, in yeah, yeah, yeah in the that. UK, exactly. And um, people were a lot less PC when I was like 15, 16, 17, etc. You know. Do you think it's improving right now, or it's it's going downhill? Um, I'm the thing is, I can't tell if it's improving or if my circles are changing because of my politics. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that right now in terms of my social circles i'm in very left-wing bubbles and everyone it's not even they they don't even have to be careful they have a very very deep understanding of racial politics also because of what i study i study literary and cultural analysis um, and race theory is a huge part of it so it comes quite naturally to most people Mm -hmm. but it does mean that when it does happen to me it hits me much harder than it used to it's it's like Jaja when she first came and she took it very personally. Now I take it very personally again because I'm not surrounded by it all the time. I'm I'm resensitized, mm. whereas before I was desensitized to it. And also the question of, you know, why do you feel offended? Um, 
It took me a really long time to come to that answer. Why do you feel offended when people say ni hao or make assumptions? And, you know, I didn't have an answer for a long time, but it's been happening to me for so many years. And it still does happen now, for sure, that I think it's a kind of a flattening of me. I feel like the person has chosen to say, like, your race or your your appearance is predominantly what I see. I'm going to make an assumption based off of that. I don't really have interest in you as a complex human with complex feelings about this. Um, I just want to say ni hao and I've kind of categorized you. Or mm-hmm. I also get that feeling when people try to guess where I'm from. So they say, where are you from? Before I've answered, they start listing off the countries. And then I feel like I'm a game to them a no. little bit. What do you guys think about that? Um, I've also been asked the question of where are you from? And mm-hmm. they just kept listing countries all the way from Asian countries mm-hmm. to South American countries. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, I really, well, at that point, I wasn't really upset. But yeah, it always happens to me that at the point, maybe because I'm coping with it or something, that I don't feel upset at the moment. Mm. But it's o- it always hits after some time when I think about it again. Actually, whenever like that comes up, like that whole like guess where I'm from, like when we like when me and my friends meet like someone new or something, whenever that like whole conversation, because it happens a lot for some reason here, like oh guess like where I'm from. It actually like personally for me sometimes it like a spike of like stress and anxiety comes mm, up because yeah. like I just like I know like it's gonna like come to me like the whole conversation of race and like all that like always comes up and it just like I don't know I, I don't like it I guess mm-hmm. like for th- for everyone else it's kind of just like a light-hearted like oh haha like but then for me it's kind of like mm. and then I guess like they don't see that as well like my friends don't see that yeah yeah so that's the kind of emotional baggage of being a person of yeah. color I think yeah. right yeah, yeah. And half of the time I have to explain where Malaysia is because, uh, yeah, not many people know where it is. I, I think for me, it, usually people ask, don't ask the question because we just get along. But I, I would just raise that question to them. Can you guess where I'm from? Mm. And they would just make random guesses like, OK, you're from Japan, you're from Korea, whatever. And then, and then I, I said, I, I'm actually from Hong Kong. And they say, oh, so that's China. And I feel offended by that. Yeah. Actually, not because, I mean, if I say Hong Kong, then I'm not from China. If I'm from China, then I will say I'm from China, right? Because I identify myself as a Hong Konger. So that's, that's I think that's the biggest problem for me. Yeah. Um, and they just don't understand what's, uh, you know, the differences between us. And, and mm-hmm. that's a really big problem. That's also why we are doing the Brown Town podcast. Yeah. Because, you know, brown people... They, they, there are actually so many different kinds of brown people. There are mm-hmm. more than 300 languages in India. And, you know, they have three different, like, they have, they have Sri Lanka as well, they're Pakistan. A lot of those kind of, you know, small, actually, they're not small countries, but different, like, um, stem, stem, all f- stemming from the Indian, like, community, but they don't understand, okay, you're from India because you look like a brown. And that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're trying to, tell our audiences that actually there are different kind of brown people there are different kind of asian people as well and we you know we are not curries we're you know we have different <laughs> yeah, things yeah, yeah. Ex- i think that was like for media magazine we're creating these infographics and that's i think where like the idea of my infographics like came from like because whenever i'm with like my friends they're always like 
oh, like, how do I, like, how do you make this, like, curry? Or, like, how do you use chopsticks? Or, like, can you make sushi for me? Stuff like mm. that. And it's, like, there's so much more nuance there, like, that they don't really understand. Like, like Wagamama, like, that place, I don't know if mm. you guys yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's just, like, it's, you know, it fuses everything together. And it's, like, mm. it's not their fault. Like, that's, I guess, just, like, the environment they, like, were in. But, like, sometimes they don't get that. So, like, I guess the infographics, like, you know, we want to, like, distinguish between them. Mm. And, um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, I also find that most um, restaurants that serve Asian food, they just they just serve uh, like everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I yeah. Chinese, Surinamese, <laughs> Indonesian. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah. Mm. But um, I, I think I, I mean, I'm not a person who would get offended so easily because I, I can always cope with different kind of situations. But I, I do want people to understand there are differences yeah. in, in Asian, and I'm trying to, you know, just. I mean, I'm trying to help the brown community yeah. because, you know, I'm doing the brown town, although I'm not a brown. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, you know, another person from, from brown town is actually from Afghanistan. So we, we are actually from all over, you know, Asia and also Middle East. And we're we just trying to, um, you know, create some knowledges uh, for our audiences. And in the future, they will not do those kind of stupid things and guesses. And that would be a really great benefit for, you know, all of us. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think at least myself personally, I would really appreciate if like everybody took the time to educate yourself a little bit about our Asian different Asian cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, especially since more and more Asians are uh, immigrating to other countries, and like we are almost all over the world. So mm-hmm. you're gonna have an Asian friend someday. Yeah, yeah it's true. I think yeah. that's the way I like with my friends. I think that's how I personally like kind of like make an impact in that sense like with food I think food's such a big thing like Mm. because everyone shares food they love food and like I really share a lot of like whenever they eat Asian I'm like just small things like oh like this is actually from like Japan you know stuff like that I think those those (laughs) small things and they like I see the change from like when I first met them to now and how Mm. like much more knowledgeable they are about like you know like Asian cuisine or just like it it also like kind of like um is what's it called like it extends further than just the food. Like it mm. starts like mm-hmm. going to other aspects of the culture. Yeah. And I think, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a good like conversation opener. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like if you understand what you view as the other a bit more, then they start becoming less and less like the other, like an exterior, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they become more human. They mm-hmm. become a bit more like you and small things like that eventually translate to less assaults and, Less mm-hmm. of an idea that an ethnicity can equal a virus or a disease, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think that's what I'm hoping. The Stop Asian Hate movement. I think it's been a long time coming. I think, um, and I think it's really important for everyone to capitalize on this moment and profit off all mm-hmm. of the things that are coming out and all the things that you can now read. Whereas, you know, before you had to really search a little bit, but with this movement. Um, it's all over your social media. There are loads of links to follow. You can bring it up with your friends and ask them, you know, how is this affecting you? How is this making you feel? Do you feel safe? Um, what is your experience in Europe? Yeah. It's definitely more normalized to bring up the conversation of like as- Asian racism and stuff with like my friends and st- um, all that. So I think the movement's definitely like been very helpful. Yeah. Like they even ask me, I don't even bring the conversation up and they're like, oh, like, how do you feel? And, like, mm. it h- opens up the conversation a lot. So That's really great. I, th- I think it used to be really subtle in, in mm-hmm. the past, yeah. but now yeah, it, it just rises to the surface and yeah. we got to 
you know, grab the chance and mm. then we got to do something for it. Yeah. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. But I just hope that people don't think that this is just a one-time social yeah. media fad thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. Because even before COVID, this was a massive problem. Yeah, exactly. COVID only exacerbated it. And yeah. post-COVID, it's going to continue to be a problem. We, we actually need more conversations like this. And mm. then we, we, we just can disseminate information and those kind of things and make our society more inclusive. Yeah. Uh, that's what I want to do as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thanks so much for coming today, guys. Thank thanks you. for having us. And thanks for listening. <laughs>